Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always, and of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a variety of different results. We're going to go over Villa's last three games because we've been very jolly holly and have been having very merry Christmases here at the Holtcast. So we gave everyone a well-needed break, a.k.a. none of our schedules actually lined up over the holidays, so we just took a break anyways. But we hope you're all doing well. So just to give everyone a little bit of context on this one, we're going to go over kind of the wider themes of the, the last three fixtures. Of course, that's a one-all draw at Villa Park against Sheffield United, a 3-2 loss at Old Trafford, of course, against Man United, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about mostly because we're probably still all very annoyed about how that one turned out. And of course, yesterday, as in Saturday's result, 3-2 win at Villa Park over Burnley, which of course, uh, Una Emery's men made much harder work of it than needed to be. But regardless, we do have Mr. Sebastian Bacon here as well as Mr. Simon O'Regan. So Simon, I'll come to you. How was your Christmas and how's it going for you? Uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Thanks. Um, just before Christmas, I was over in Ireland at my cousin's wedding. Uh, so I wasn't at Villa Park for Sheffield United game, but once the first dance was out of the way, I did manage to sneak off to the hotel bar to watch the last half an hour of that game. So I, I caught enough of that. And then, uh, yeah, obviously, being a mixed bag for Villa over the Christmas periods, but let's be honest, we can't really have much complaints about where we're sitting going into 2024, can we? Absolutely. Well, we'll provide more context on that as well, because there's been a little bit of a shakeup in the table as well, and it has worked out very nicely for Villa. But getting to that in just a moment, we do have one of Santa's elves here, Mr. Sebastian Bacon. Seb, it's been a while. How's it going for you? It's nice to be back. Um, normally, I'm getting it in the neck from Simon, not you. So that's a that's a pleasant surprise, actually. Um, welcome to the party. I also wasn't at the Sheffield United game. Um, it was my birthday, so I actually made quite a good choice not to go in the end um, for my for my own sanity. But yeah, yeah, like Simon said, we we're sitting in a very pretty position going into next year. I think probably beyond our wildest dreams going into this year. So who knows what's capable next? Absolutely, everyone wants to know that's listening. Seb, what did you do for your birthday instead? Oh, I had a nice walk on the beach. This makes me sound really old. I'm getting old now. I'm not going to be able to be the child anymore. I had a nice walk on the beach, went out for lunch, had a Chinese takeaway for dinner, and then, then played some games in the evening with, with the missus. And, um... How old are you? <laughs> yes. No, 19? Yeah. Right. Um, you, your 19th birthday and my 19th birthday were very, very different experiences. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> you just wait for tonight. I'll, I'll make up for tonight. <laughs> 
Yeah, so basically we have Seb playing board games and going to bed at 7 p.m. And for Simon's 19th birthday, he woke up in Baghdad or something crazy like that. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, my defense, in my defense, my, my birthday was organized by, by my girlfriend. So I'm under contract to say that it was a very nice day. I really enjoyed myself and I wouldn't have had it any different. So you can <laughs> it's well, fine, she doesn't listen to it anyway. We haven't had a proper chat with Seb in so long that I didn't even realize he has a girlfriend now. So we'll have to get into that off recording time because I don't think this is um, dating 101. But regardless of that, <laughs> welcome to the Holtcast, everybody. Hope everyone is doing well, like I said earlier. Um, yeah, let's start here with this little stat. Of course, Villa played 10 games in 35 days. They amassed 17 points from 24 in the Premier League, four points from six in Europe with one defeat from 10 finished top of their conference league group and are currently comfortably in the top four sitting in second. Thank you, Arsenal, for losing to Fulham today, of course. It's certainly not a bad time to be a Villa fan. I mean, Seb, I'll start with you as the youngin of this one. I mean, we can be as annoyed as we can be in the past. Of course, dropping points at home against Sheffield United, uh, just throwing it away at Old Trafford. And of course, even yesterday's result, just making it 10 times harder than it need to be. But I mean, when you look at a stat like that, it it's really not bad. And we, we honestly, no one can really be mad, can they? You're going to drop points in a season. Every team drops. You saw it with Arsenal today. Um, so, and you could make excuses for any circumstance in which you drop points. I think it's a lot easier coming into this on the back of a win, it probably makes it slightly easier. But um, look, Villa, it's really difficult because, you know, it's a long season and we said that we are overachieving, to put it bluntly. So there's going to be times where, you know, it equals itself out and we have some disappointing results. Okay, to go 2-0 up at Old Trafford, it was disappointing not to hold on. But um, we've we've always struggled against teams like Sheffield United who come and sit back and just put all men behind the ball. That's that's typically when we seem to struggle the most. Um, so I, I I think any Villa fan could have told you with the chance to go top, playing bottom of the league, you hadn't won a game away from home all season, that we just weren't going to win it. So I, I, it seems weird to say I almost expected that one. Um, obviously disappointing to lose in those circumstances at Old Trafford, like I said. But um, I think we needed... I, I said to my dad at the game yesterday um we we need a scrappy win like Brentford away we we need some scrappy wins you know those are when you see the real metal of a team what they're made of um and look I'd be foolish to sit here and say that um I expect us to continue like this all season and that we're not going to drop points again because we are but um the most important thing is performances and we look tired but we finally got a break. So hopefully getting those players back on the training pitch, getting those injuries out of the way, you know, Unai being able to sprinkle some of his magic on the training pitch, I'm I'm in full confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Simon, coming to you, there's been a number of injuries and it definitely hasn't helped. You look at Luca Dean now, he's out with a thigh injury, I believe it is. He'll be out for roughly a month. Uh, I think Robin Olsen still has a bit of a knock. He'll be out for a couple of weeks. Uh, Matty Cash, I think there was a bit with his shoulder, if I cr- uh, recall correctly, and then he had a bit of a virus too. So that hasn't helped matters. You look at Tillemans that, I mean, 
hopefully should be back very soon. And Kamara, of course, missing through suspension. And even looking at this list, I didn't even realize apparently Triori's hurt again. I mean, that's not a shock to anybody, um, but he'll come back for his one game and score. But regardless of that, I mean, it's a long list. And when you look at that defensive back line initially, you're looking at, and no offense to to these two as a pairing, but I mean, you'd have to say Simon, Clement Longley, and Diego Carlos. That's just not a pairing. It It, it isn't it, is it? <laughs> I mean, it's not what you'd want for the long term. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the injury list, it's, it's funny how sort of in, in the wider media, um, sort of, you know, pundits and everyone are bending over backwards to excuse Tottenham and Newcastle when they go on a poor run with with all their injuries, like they're the first teams who've ever had an injury. Whereas, you know, for the majority of the season, we've been without four first team players from last season. Um, you know, and obviously you reeled off the list there. Every team has injuries, but we've we just we've kind of coped with it fairly well. I mean, the the players have looked kind of you know not at their free flowing best over the, the last few games. But that's to you know that that's going to happen with the amount of games you've had in a short space of time, piled on top of that with sort of increasing injuries and this silly red cards that Kamara got himself at Brentford. You know we all kind of thought that could cost us, and I mean you know, you, it's, you can't one hundred percent say if he if he hadn't been suspended with the beating Sheffield United with the beating Man U, but it, it certainly doesn't help. It just adds to it because it takes sort of other people out of their better preferred positions. Um, but, you know, in the main, yeah, we've done reasonably well. As, as Seb said, we, we're going to drop points. You know, it's it's unreasonable for us to expect to win every single game of football. It's frustrating, certainly, the circumstances in which we have dropped points in the Sheffield United and the Man U game in particular. Um, you know, that's one that, that I'm still really annoyed about. But, it, you know, they, these things happen and the, the, the Sheffield United result, you just knew, like like Seb said, that having won 15 games in a row to break, break that club record with the last two games against Man City and Arsenal, you everyone knew, like, it's Sheffield United are going to end this winning run. But, you know, at least, well, at least we showed some character to come back and get a result from that match. You know, it would have been so easy with the ridiculous ridiculous VAR decisions that that cost us in that game, which I think is something that should easily be, easily be dismissed. You know, I, I, in the immediate aftermath of that, of the Sheffield United draw, you saw kind of a lot of people saying we shouldn't be relying on VAR to beat Sheffield United, which to a certain extent, I get the kind of point I think people are trying to make. However, VAR decision costs us going one nil up after 60 minutes if that Bailey goal stands as it should have done I'm 100% convinced we're going to win that 2-3-4-0 fairly comfortably so it's yeah, it's not a case of I, know, I I think that's a bit of an easy throwaway line that some people use of well, we, sh- we shouldn't be relying on VAR no but if if that if a wrong decision cost you a goal that does have an effect but do you get the point i'm trying to make yeah. with that one yeah, yeah. It's basically so, if people actually did their jobs and use common sense essentially but unfortunately yeah. we live in a world that people just don't 
and it is what it is. I mean, we look at other teams. There's, I mean, there's a massive list this season of other teams that have felt very hard done by by VAR and just refereeing and officiating it in general. And that's fair enough. Everyone kind of has their issues, but I think the wider kind of context and definitely has. I, I know you, it's so easy to go. Oh, well, we have all these players out and all this stuff, but you also have to keep in mind. I mean all these games and of course fair enough a lot of teams have had a lot of games too but i mean unless you're basically in the champions league europa league or the conference league a lot of these teams have had basically um one to maybe what three games less than any of those kind of teams in those competitions so you have to throw that into mind and then when you're down to basically Konza has to play right back there's no other alternative <laughs> frighteningly enough you look now at moreno who i mean you're hoping and praying he can stay fit and he's okay to just do that position solely for at least a month now, you would figure. And then, of course, the center-back pairing you look at now, Torres kind of slowly coming back and featured um, at the end of the Burnley game, so that's a good sign as well. But, I mean, it's something that kind of has to be mindful of. And, I mean, we'll get into maybe a bit of a January conversation in just a moment. Well, anyways, there's one thing I do want to talk about now, and that, of course, is Unai Emery's high line. So, Seb, I'll bring this one to you because, of course, it was probably most highlighted, I would say, uh, during yesterday's match, the 3-2 win over Burnley, where, of course, Lyle Foster scored the equalizer uh, before Dougie Louise slotted away at penalty to win it. I think a lot of people, especially on social media, were kind of questioning why we were playing such a high line in that circumstance when Burnley are down to 10 men. And we've probably seen it maybe cost us in other games this season, but to be fair and in, in wider context, Villa have still looked absolutely mint at times playing this high line too. So there's a bit of give and go, but do you think there has to be times or there at least should be times where that should be slightly adapted to fit kind of the scenario? Because I, I mean, I think it is a, a fair kind of talking point at this time. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And perspective changes everything because I was I was sitting in the stand yesterday and I was saying the exact same thing you know when they went down to 10 they almost looked the better team once they went down to 10 um they were managing to get in behind but the, the same the same conversation was around Postacoglu's Spurs earlier on in the season um against Chelsea I think they were down to nine or maybe even eight men and they persisted with the high line it ended up costing them but what I'd like to think about is it works Emery, Emery has belief in his system, and he he doesn't think that he feel he doesn't feel the need to change that. If he it, he's a very much in game manager, he he's not afraid to change things. He's not afraid to um, implement new players and new ideas during a game, um, and he's also a lot more experienced than I am. So, uh, with that being said, if if he believes that that's something that is going to see us through long term, then then I'm all for it. He he believes that that's the way to win games. And it has won games. If you look at the 2023 overall table, we're sat second for the whole of the year out of 23 teams. When was the last time we were able to say that? So, I, I mean, I, I do believe that in times this season, I have gone, yeah, maybe we could sit a bit deeper. Maybe we could change things here. Maybe be a bit more comfortable. But... Then again, what do I know? <laughs> um, I yeah, I, I think he's right to do what he does. Postacoglu said the same thing. You know, these sort of managers that are coming through now and having success do stick to their ways and are very much 
set in stone in their path. So I don't think that that's something that's going to change anytime soon. Absolutely. Simon, how do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I, thought, I, I don't, I don't see why you would change it because if you, if, if, if they, yesterday they decided that we would sit a little bit deeper, it means that you, to, to keep the same sort of distance that you want to keep between your defence and your front line, it means the front line is dropping off. So it means that Burnley are able to get out easier, which you like, it, Surely against ten men, you go even higher. You want to press them in even more. Like that, that's how I would look at it, and and that's what we did. And you know, I, I kind of, I I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm wondering if I kind of watched a different game to a lot of people yesterday because I hardly saw Burnley were pretty shit like, for, for that game. Like, I really I wasn't impressed at all. They they had a bit of fire about them, but defensively, I thought they were so naive. They were so they're trying to play out from the back with players that are just not capable of doing it. And, you know, again, I kind of, I've seen a lot of stuff about uh, Lyle Foster causing us problems. He got through and scored a really good goal and got uh, and scored a goal that was offside. Other than that, I don't really recall him doing an awful lot. I know, maybe I've just watched a completely different game and I could be wrong and everyone else is right. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of thought that. I actually thought we, we weren't too bad yesterday. We we missed a stupid amount of chances in that second half. And, and like, I mean, absolute sitters. You know, Ramsey and Diaby. And you mean Diaby could have had two or three goals yesterday. Four or five or six, well. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like that, the game was made, we made hard work of it. But I, I felt that it was hard work more because we were so wasteful in front of goal rather than anything that Burnley no, did cause problems. Completely agree. You know, I, like, I, I, don't, I don't think Burnley really actually threatened an awful lot, if I'm being perfectly honest. I, I don't only call Martinez having to do a, a great deal. There was just, there was, um, you know, as I say, the, the offside goal, which, you know, and I, I, I get really annoyed when, when I watch Villa games. Um, that on TV and after the game when they're doing like the analysis with the amount of chances that opposition teams have and they include chances that were flagged offside so they, they're completely relevant so they're not as chances that aren't worth discussing so that offside goal that, that's not a foster cause against any problems he got in behind once and scored and to be honest I think Martinez should have probably done better getting being you know, his near post if anything um, yeah. the only other issue that you had with that ball they did with the ball over the top was the Diego Carlos handball call thing which I mean look uh, yeah it, it probably was a handball the, the argument that they're giving obviously is that he's come off his thigh first and onto his hands but even if it is a handball it's a free kick and a yellow card at most so I, I really understand you know Vincent Company after the game I know I've gone off on a weird tangent here but Company <laughs> after the game he he uh, his interview like he's he played a, a very much you know worries me while we're really hard done by but I honestly don't see what I don't understand what complaints they can have about any of the decisions like that handball thing with Carlos at best you get in a free kick on the edge of the box the two yellow cards for Sanderberg you can argue the first one was maybe a bit soft but it comes under the bracket I've seen them given and once you've got a yellow card. You can't just pull someone's shirt when they're, you know, thirty yards 
from goal running through the middle of the pitch. You just can't. That, that's a yellow card all day long. And the penalty. If I was, that was ask against, an opinion on this penalty. So for me, it's it is soft, but it is a, a penalty. Duran makes the absolute most of it, like he can properly milks it. But it it's it's one that what. It's one that is again. You find it under. You've seen them given, and once it's given, that's never going to get overturned because he does kick him. Yeah. You know, you can make arguments all you want about does the contacts really warrant the fall from Duran? Probably not. And if it was against, if that's given against us, I'm annoyed, but I'd be sort of half frustrated at the decision being given. But at the same More time, I'd be thinking. Oh yeah, I'd be more annoyed at the player for making that challenge in the area in the 89th minute. So, yeah, I know I've, I've gone off and completely not answered the question that you originally started, but yeah, it's one of those where whatever the referee gives, VAR isn't going to change it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if he doesn't give that, I don't think well, they'll they probably look at it, but I don't think they. Well, I say it, I don't think they tell him to go look at the monitor. You've no idea what, what decisions get made these days. I was but... saying this. I, actually, I was saying this in the stands because I always forget. I was saying yesterday, every time, every day that there isn't a Villa match, I forget just how bad the referees are. And then every time I go to Villa Park, I'm very quickly reminded just how incompetent they are. For both, yeah. for both teams make most weeks. It, it, it's yeah. not just. I'm not sitting here going, "Oh, referees are always against Villa." Most weeks, the referee they just they can't get anything right. Yeah, they and that, out all the time. And that that just just on that, like um, uh, after the Sheffield United game, and you, you know, obviously, look, we, we, you know, there's no need to go over it too much. We know the goal shouldn't have been disallowed, and we know we should have had at least one, if not two. The, the penalty on Watkins, I think, is no. That's again, you've seen them given the handball. We should have had that, but the point, the point is that after the game, I saw so many stuff about our oh, corruption. They don't want Villa top of the league. Please, Villa, Villa fans, do not be like Arsenal fans and start spouting corruption <laughs> bollocks. There is no if you're over the age of 12, you genuinely believe that there's a, a corruption amongst referees and officials against your football team, you should not be allowed to support a football team and watch football. <laughs> wow. You're a fucking idiot. Fucking grow up. There is no, there's no corruption. What we've got is shit <laughs> officials who are nowhere near up to the standards. When you look at the day after our game against Sheffield United, look at that Arsenal-Liverpool penalty, you know, the Erdogan penalty. There's, you know, it's, it, what, what we've got, unfortunately... Is as I say, officials are not up to standards, and the introduction of VAR has made the officiating worse because so many of them now are using it as a backup to try and make decisions for them. So yeah, that's that's the main. Just I don't want to hear see Villa fans talking about corruption because you just honestly you you look like a fucking idiot. I wish I'd never said anything, Carl. There's your title. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we were talking about the high line, but um... <laughs> fair enough. Um... <laughs> Anyways, I, I'm completely. You, you you don't know where to look in your scripts now. I've noticed. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of panicking going up and down. And meanwhile, I mean, no one can see the the, the video or visual of this, but 
Um, Seb has turned into Casper the Friendly Ghost because all I can see is his microphone floating in the air. Um, and he's in pitch darkness now. But um, yeah, this this just shows we haven't done this for well over a week, and um, we're a little out of tune. But I mean, just like Unai Emery's villains will be back in fine form very very soon. I I do promise that. I mean. Maybe there's one kind of different way we can look at the Bubakar Kamara suspension. I know we talked about it in the, the post Brentford podcast, and I think I feel like Simon, you were there. I could be wrong, to be honest. I feel like minutes are blending into days and days into weeks and blah 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 at, at that point. But I mean, in a weird way, considering the injuries and the fatigue, and now we know that Unai Emery has given his players a few days off to recoup after what has been a, a crazy 35 days. I mean, is there an argument, Simon, that you could say that, I mean, as much as we would want someone like Kamara to be there for the three games, we'd prefer that. But maybe in the long run, this almost helps us too. Does that make any sense? Or am I just grasping at straws? <laughs> well, it, well, in terms of like, just like having a rest. Recovery. And I, I think at this point, that's going to be Villa's tell-all tale this season. How we can cope with this going forward. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to, to be fair, I, I think, I think we we we're kind of fortunate now that we get like going into the month of January, looking at the fixtures. We've only got two Premier League games in January: uh, way at Everton and home to Newcastle, which I think that's not to the thirtieth anyway. So we've kind of got a, a bit of a break anyway. Obviously, we've got the FA Cup game against Middlesbrough on Saturday, but I, I think I saw something. Did uh, I think Middlesbrough? I think three days after this FA Cup game, they've got the first leg of their League Cup semi-final. So you'd suspect they might rotate a few players for the FA Cup game because that, obviously a semi-final is probably going to be more important to them than, a, than, than that game. So that could be another opportunity to maybe rest players. You know you know what happens with us in the FA Cup anyway. But um, no, as I said, I think we, we've, we've managed to navigate this sort of period of loads of games in a short space of time pretty well. You know, the, that stat you read off right at the top of you know, the number of points we've got in those games, you know, only one defeat, you can't really, can't complain too much. And as I say, I think we've kind of, you know, we've got a week break now, uh, FA Cup, and then you, you kind of, I think you've got a week again until the Everton game. And then I think it's like maybe two weeks or something until the next FA Cup game. So you kind of, you're going back to pretty much one game a week from now until the middle of March, which I think I, I think that would do wonders for us because obviously this first half of the season 
you know, sort of from mid-September when the European campaign got going until now, it's been pretty non-stop, to be honest, hasn't it? You know, there's, there's not been many weeks where we've gone like a whole week without having a, a game like in the middle of the week. So I think it'll be beneficial now these, these sort of two months, get players back fit, get obviously Kamara back from suspension, maybe one or two additions in January. I mean, you know, this, I'm, I'm sure they'll be looking, but it's a difficult time to get the right sort of quality players in. And just going back to that one game a week for a couple of months, I, I think in terms of recovery and recharging, could could be quite beneficial for us now going into the you know the business end of the season come March time. Well, to be honest, speaking as a content creator, I'm very much looking forward to the the one game a week because Jesus Christ, <laughs> I, I think I didn't have a life for the first half of the season. That's what it felt like. But I mean, all in all, and you are right, Simon. I mean, two Premier League games in January and potentially um, what would that be? What two FA Cup games, depending how Villa progress, of course. And I don't want to jinx that. We'll maybe discuss at the very end. To be honest, I don't even know if I want to because I feel like if we get positive about an FA Cup draw, then who the hell knows what's going to happen? I mean, we probably do if we do talk about it too confidently. But you look at that injury list, and you'd imagine Luca Dean will be back sometime in January. Of course, Robin Olsen, Matty Cash, Yuri Tillemans, and Kamara will be as well. Um, and like I said before, Traore will probably show up in April, score a goal that'll get us a vital point, and then he'll disappear for another six months. But all in all, I mean, Seb, I'll throw this to you with January. What are you expecting? I mean, I personally feel like it might be like at maximum two signings, probably one if it's right. But we're also in a strong position where I feel like compared to last season in January under Unai Emery, I feel like there is a little bit more resourcefulness, a little bit more kind of buying power and just a lot more, I I guess, more of a a benefit to come to Villa now versus a year ago. But where do you kind of sit with all that? Who did we bring in in January last year? Alex Moreno. Just Moreno? Yes. I uh we got Duran as well. Oh we got Duran, uh, Duran. as well. Yes. yes. Okay, sorry. Sometimes I forget about Duran. Oops, my bad. <laughs> um, I'd I'd be very surprised if it's more than one. Uh I think the noise coming out is more that it will be a loan deal, if anything. Um I can't see where. I mean the two positions I'd pinpoint are maybe a backup striker or a right back. But that right back, you're not going to want a loan deal. You'd want a good right back because it'd have to be better than cash. So you're not going to get that in January. Who could you really bring in as a backup striker? Just well, the, it, it's a, it's an interesting one. Like cause I agree with you with the right back situation with cash. Um, like it's, you kind of think, well, who who are you going to get? Then you kind of you just you don't know what what sort of scouting network they've got. I mean, let's be honest. This time last year, when they were thinking, did any of us even know who Alex Moreno was? No, you know, and, and <laughs> were any of us thinking, you know, will we get a better left back in than Luca Dean realistically at that time? And you know, I, know, I mean, Luca Dean's like really good. I, I think they're both really good. Well, you know, in different sort of ways. So it's it's an intro. I, I agree. I think right back whether someone has a backup or someone to push cash to be a starter, you know, so you've got a Moreno-Dean situation over on the right. Because I think 
I think I, I think you lose a lot taking Conzer out of the centre and putting him over to the right. But then in a weird way, I kind of think a back four of Conzer, Carlos Torres and Moreno Sashdin is better than a cash Conza Torres, Moreno Sashdin in certain games. Um so yeah, I, I think that's the area. As for the backup striker, again, I, I think yeah, it's it's a struggle to think where where you get someone like that. I mean, I saw saw something the other day, uh, some video on YouTube of someone like you know going about what signings people should be looking at, and they're they're talking about Villa and saying Timo Werner should be an option, and like, kind of it threw me a bit at first, and then I kind I'll of take thought, that. I'll you be, know what? If if Emery thought he could get you know, getting back because he can play, you know, sort of wide in the middle. And like, I, I started convinced myself, like, yeah, we should definitely do it. <laughs> like, the only, the only other thing I could see possibly happening is I think if we got a suitable offer for Den Donker and could then replace him. I mean, look, I, I like Den Donker. I actually think he's got a lot of good qualities, but he's not, he's probably, he's not as good on the ball as I think Henry would want a central midfielder to be. I think he's happily, you know, if he, if he ended up sticking around for the rest of the season, I don't think that'd be a problem. And he'll have his his use in games, you know, that, you know, you saw in the Arsenal game recently where he came on for the last 20 minutes and, you know, did a great job helping us see it out. But I think if there was an opportunity to, to move him on and get someone in who could kind of offer what he does, but with you know, more ability on the ball, then maybe I could see something like that happening. But other than that, I agree with Seb. I think it'll be, I think it'll be quiet. Maybe one, I think we'll see, I do think we'll see one, per, at least one come in, possibly two out of push. Yeah, I think it's going to be players we don't really expect. Because to be honest, it, out of all of Unai Emery's signings, how many do we honestly really expect or kind of see it before most? I, I think that's the thing. So, uh, maybe the other kind of discussion is maybe in center back as well, because there was links with Longley going back uh, to Barcelona and having his um, loan deal canceled because of the amount of playing time. I mean, maybe that's changed because of the amount of games he's featured for recently. Um, the only way I can see that being even a possibility is unless they have another center back lined up to come in because there's no way he's going anywhere if that's the case and we're going into the rest of the season with literally at that point, it would be three center backs. And then you'd be hoping and praying that Tyrone Mings just regrows a bionic leg and can be back tomorrow kind of thing. Um, but no, I, I think honestly, it's maybe going to be, I, I think right back would be a priority, but I feel like again, that might happen in the summer. And I feel like the reason why Kanza is playing there right now is probably Unai Emery knows that. So he'd probably rather have Kanza kind of get, comfortable with him being in that position for a good chunk of this season and then probably I mean like you guys have said I feel like strikers just not going to happen because who are you going to get that's going to make that much of an impact and you're not either going to a pay a stupid fee if you're going to buy them or b if it's a loan I, I mean I know there's going to probably be things in the contract where they have to play a certain amount of games but then you also have to worry about Duran and finding a place for him to kind of go out as well um, again, these could all be already arranged and we don't have any clue about it, but I mean, there's so many different possibilities and we could go into a, a rabbit hole forever, but to finish up this podcast, I wanted to reflect on the year 
that was for Villa for 2023. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get this out on uh, Sunday when we're recording December 31st, or this will be first thing on uh, January 1st, 2024. I guess we'll have to see how quick my editing skills are today. But, I mean, there's been a quite number, or I shouldn't say quite a number, I mean, a lot of interesting stats when it comes to Villa in terms of how well they've done this season compares to others. But I want to ask these guys. So, Seb, I'll start with you. What is your favorite Villa moment, memory, whatever you want to be for 2023? God, Um, this this is probably the first year in many where we're spoiled for choice, really. Um. I don't want. I don't want to be obvious. I don't want to go um, Leicester away, Bertrand Traore in the last minute, only because I was there. Um, because it it seemed like it was going to be a typical Villa away day. We dropped points against a struggling team. Then Bertrand Traore scores a screamer out of this world. No one expected it um, in the 89th minute, and then in the 90th minute we give a penalty away, which wasn't actually a penalty. Um, Nothing like Villa putting you through your emotions. Um, I'm going to look like Simon if they carry on doing it. I'll have no hair <laughs> left. But um, yeah, that'll be mine for this year. Fair enough. Simon, how about you? Um, it's, I mean, it's probably an obvious one. But yeah, I'd say probably full time after Brighton on the last day of the season. I mean, you know, he kind of, the, you know, we, we'd, we'd started well under Emery. Then you kind of like little drop off after the World Cup, and then you had the, the sort of three defeats in the balance in February. You kind of thought, okay, you know, we can see what we're trying to do, but it's going to take, you know, this could take a good twelve to eighteen months to sort out. And then you, you kind of you went on this run, and like you, you start, you know, I think we were eleventh for fucking ages. It seemed like, <laughs> and then you beat Chelsea away. I remember it was around April, I think maybe late March, early April, so we beat Chelsea away and moved into the top 10. And then you're kind of like, you're looking at the table thinking, do you know what? We, we can maybe sneak into like the conference league here. And then as it was, the season was going on, you're thinking, fucking, could we get a top four spot? <laughs> and then like, you know, it was going so crazy. But like to, to, from where, from where we were at the start of like last season, Coming into the, to to the new year to 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 go on that run and and finally get back into Europe and and like the, just the the release and like happiness from everyone in Villa Park uh, full time that day where you kind of like it was the first time in a long time I think Villa fans have kind of thought right this is we've we've got kind of our Villa back like this is the Villa I remember like. You know, competing to finish in the European places, playing good football, um, you know, making Villa Park a, a, a fortress again. We, you know, when I when I first started going, again, you know, going back a, a long, long time ago, but like, we, you know, the first few years I used to go to Villa Park, we would genuinely win most games at Villa. Like, we would regularly finish sort of top five, top six, and it was fun going to Villa. And then for the last sort of 10, 13 years or so, it just not been... A... Again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you started going, Cole started supporting Villa, or started turning to shit. No, but this, this this year, like, this calendar year, obviously, you know, it's well documented how good you've been at home, and that, yeah, that full-time moment, it just felt like, 
it felt like the start of something. And yeah, it was, and the post match celebrations were good fun as well, weren't they? So, <laughs> oh, I bet they were. I wish I could be less said about them, the better, to be honest. Oh, Jesus. Seb didn't get stuffed in a bin, so that's my only gripe with that whole thing. But <laughs> regardless of that, um, quickly for myself, I, I think it has to be that I'm tied between two, so I'll say two because I can I can do that because I edit this. So I, I think it has to be either that 3-0 win against Newcastle last season. It just felt like even though Villa had some good momentum, it was like this is to measure where we are. And, I mean, aside from the victory over City, um this season that was the most complete performance i think i've ever seen from a villa side it was utter domination from minute one um my second favorite i would have to say and i think it was just because the way the media were treating deserby like he was the second coming of jesus christ um was the 6-1 win i think it was 6-1 win over brighton earlier this season yes it was yeah Uh, just I don't know. It was ridiculous. It almost, I know it's not the same as beating Liverpool 7 2, but it got literally got to a point where I was laying sideways laughing on the couch because it just kept going in. And it was just so <laughs> enjoyable. And to be honest, I love beating Brighton. I don't know what it is. They just bugged the hell out of me. Maybe it's because they think Deserby is literally Jesus Christ. Um, but, and I don't understand that because they can't defend. But, anyways, that's that's a discussion for Brighton fans to discuss. Um, now I say that they'll probably beat us next time. But, anyways, those have to be my two. Um, just, uh, I don't know. There's so many. I mean, Simon, I, like you said, you've been supporting the club since like 1925. It's been a very long time. <laughs> is this the best year of supporting Villa that you've encountered so far? Um, probably, yeah. I mean, like, obviously, the, oh, the last trophy we won, I, I was at Wembley for that in 1996. But I mean, that, that that was only the second game I ever went. So, so I, I was, you know, I was still quite young then. So I kind of, you don't really like put things into the context of, of what they actually are. So you, you look at, if you look at that calendar year, yeah, it's difficult to to top this one because you haven't won anything since, since nineteen ninety six. So it's not like there's an obvious year that you go, well, well, that you know, go go for that one because you want something in there. Um, you know, we, unbeaten at Villa Park since I think the seventeenth of February twenty twenty three, or something like that. So you know, you can't you can't really argue with it, can you? You know, yeah, back in European football. Finished top of that group as well, sitting sitting second in the table, like joint top. <laughs> it's ridiculous. If Newcastle can beat Liverpool seven 0 tomorrow, we'll be top of the league. So, you know, yeah, I'd have to say it's been the most enjoyable year, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe maybe it's made us a little bit privileged, and we get a little bit bratty at times, but. When you've been through the shit we've been through, um, I, I feel like we're allowed to be a little bit that way. I mean, if, if you're <laughs> not, then you don't care, clearly. Uh, to read off some stats here, of course, uh, these come from like Villa Stato, Squawka, Opta Joe. Uh, Aston Villa have won more home games, 17, and earned more home points, 53, in the Premier League in 2023 than any other side. Another one, uh, most Premier League wins in 2023 by, I uh, in quotes, non-Big Six side. Villa has 26. Um, you look all the way down, and that is what I think Brighton and Newcastle on 19. Uh, no player in Europe's top five leagues has provided more assists this season than Ollie Watkins, so there's a stat there for eight. 
Uh, let's see if I can find one more here before we quickly, and I'm panicking because now I just lost this. Um, only two players have scored 20-plus goals and provided 10-plus assists in the Premier League in 2023. One is Ollie Watkins. Can you guess who the second one in the Premier League is, either of you? Sorry, what was the question? Brilliant. Awesome. Only two players. I can tell Seb's always listening. Only two players have scored 20 plus goals and provided 10 plus assists in the Premier League this calendar year. One being Ollie oh, Watkins. I, I, I think I know it. I think I know it. Okay, go ahead. Did I buzz in? Yes. Is it Salah? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was painful. <laughs> yes! And as a very long one, I like this one from Stato. This will be the final one. And this just, I, I think this summarizes Villa's year as a whole. Teams Aston Villa have won against in 2023. Are we ready for the list? Why the hell oh, not? That includes Arsenal, Bournemouth, Brentford, Brighton and Hove Albion twice, Burnley twice, Chelsea twice, Palace twice, Everton twice, Fulham twice, Leeds United, Leicester City, Luton Town, Man City, Newcastle United, Forest, Southampton, Spurs three times, and West Ham United. I don't think you get a better stat than that to end this podcast off, but I think that's where we will, because I know Mr. Simon has to go off on an old man boozer, um, and Seb has to go to bed, because uh, it's getting late. <laughs> but, wrong way around, Carl, wrong way around. Uh, we, debating on what you told me, told us what you're doing for your birth or you did for your birthday, so we'll have to leave that one I'm where it's going late. out tonight for once actually thank you very much well if anyone wants to find seb wherever where what what town do you live in seb uh i will be in falmouth tonight i doubt any of our followers are from there however <laughs> well if this is out in time and you want to spot seb find him in the nearest bin around the corner but anyways we'll leave things there thank you very much to simon and seb for joining me if you want to find simon on twitter slash x whatever you want to call it these days it's at cy o'regan find seb on there at sebastian bacon eight you can find me on there at talk aston villa tweet the team at 75 100 to hold and i know i said like a week or so ago there's a lot of changes coming up the podcast there is a few things in terms of how it's going to be structured in terms of how you listen to it so that's only a good thing nothing bad um (laughs) in terms of the website that will be coming out in the next week or so. So to let everyone know what's going on there, I'm sure everyone doesn't care, but regardless to the few that do, you will know uh, very soon and it's appreciated for your support, but hopefully everyone has had a uh, fantastic new year's. I don't know when this is going out, so I'll put that in past context and hopefully you reach all of your 2024 goals as they come along. Um, I know I probably won't because I set the same ones every year and uh, yeah, they get binned off by the middle of January. Are they? But anyways, Are they? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll leave that up to the listeners to put their, their minds um, at ease and to enjoy their, their New Year's a little bit more thinking of me. But anyways, we'll leave it at that. And don't forget. Simon, have you got any of your New Year's resolutions? What are yours? Oh, for uh, but, but the only one I ever have is to, to not die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Seb, what's yours? Because you've just completely butchered this outro. So, well, I've got I've, I've got to um, look up to my my dad, haven't I? So, leaving both of <laughs> mine will also be to not die. <laughs> not die tonight. Okay, brilliant. Well, that was that was the uh, For, event. to 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 see a Villa game abroad in Europe. That'll be mine. Okay. Fair enough. Well, that was a great way to ruin a a decent outro, I would say. Uh, But anyways, we'll leave it there. And don't forget, up the villa. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.